0: Buddhas surrounded by these rice terraces. And one thing that you might not realize is that duck is very popular in that region and is actually more popular as a meat than chicken or pork. But one of the reasons why it's so popular in that region is because they are actually commonly used in the paddy
1: fields. To do what? Clean it. They've got little, like, mops.
0: <laughs> what they actually do is they uh, they guard the crops from insect attacks because they just eat up all the insects. They, just, oh, yeah. they chew them up. They also do a spot of weeding while they're at it because they're keen gardeners. <laughs>
1: hey, <all> right.
0: <laughs> and with the ducks tearing up the weeds eating all the insects, leaving their crap behind as organic plant food, mm. rice growers can actually eliminate the need for artificial fertilizers, herbicides, and pesticides by having this troop of ducks living in their rice fields. Why
1: isn't everyone doing this? Isn't it really cool? Yeah, I want my own rice patty now so that I can eat duck all the time. Welcome to The Dish, the show that uncovers the stories behind the world's most famous dishes. We are your hosts,
0: Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us and expert guests for tasty facts, foody secrets, and more.
1: In this episode, what to eat on the Indonesian island of Bali, we discuss our favourite dishes and some of the stories behind them, including satay.
0: Actually, a lot of people make the mistake of assuming that satay just means spicy peanut sauce, but it actually doesn't. It's got more to do with the actual skewered meat. And actually, to begin with, in Java, the meat probably that was originally used would have been goat or lamb.
1: And Indonesian crispy tofu called tempeh.
0: Tempeh is the only major traditional soy food in the world that didn't originate from greater Chinese cuisine. It is 100% Indonesian.
1: All right. Hello, everybody. Hello.
0: Welcome back to The Dish.
1: Another episode of The Dish, and today is one of our What to Eat In episodes. We're talking about an Indonesian island, Bali.
0: Yes. Yes. Today's focus is going to be on what to eat in Bali. Bali is a hugely popular destination, especially for digital nomads like ourselves. A lot of people working there and uh, living abroad. But also, of course, it's a very popular destination for people on vacation, especially Aussies. You'll, uh, you'll find that because it's so close to Australia, only a six and a half hour flight away from Sydney. Yes, that is a short flight.
1: <laughs> for an Australian <laughs> yes. leaving Australia, that's a short flight. Yeah, if
0: you're going anywhere international, six and a half hours is very short flight and very close. Uh, so you'll find that it's a really popular spot for a lot of holiday makers from Australia and New Zealand, people that are looking for perhaps a health-focused, relaxed sing getaway, or on the complete flip side, looking for a booze-fueled extravaganza.
1: It is a bit of a mix, isn't it?
0: Yeah. But whatever your motives for visiting Bali, you are surely going to want to eat at some point, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today.
1: Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes to this podcast, or wherever you listen. This is the fastest way to help us get us up the iTunes ranks, get more listeners, and hence, spur us to make more episodes.
0: So, uh, as we mentioned, yes, Bali is one of 17,508 islands in Indonesia.
1: One of the more popular ones, for yes. tourists. <laughs> yes.
0: There's only like 6,000 or so that are actually inhabited. Only, only yeah, inhabited by people. Of the 17,508, 6,000 or so are uh, inhabited by people. One of them is Bali. So, yes, of course, you are going to get a lot of Indonesian-influenced food there, of course, but one of the main things about Bali is that it is actually predominantly Hindu, where a lot of Indonesia is actually Muslim.
1: The rest, the whole rest of Indonesia there's, is Muslim. There's right? a couple
0: of islands here and there that are not. Strictly Muslim? The ones that
1: have like three people living on them.
0: Probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, being Hindu, they rarely eat beef, but there is a lot more pork going on on the menu than other parts of Indonesia,
1: that's for sure. Mm, Porky Island goodness. Mm-hmm. I'm all right with that.
0: So yeah, Balinese food is a solid mix of indigenous cuisine as well as influences from Chinese, Indian, and Middle Eastern cuisine. And uh, that sets it apart in many ways from just sort of being Indonesian food every island sort of has their own take from these different influences that came about through the trade in like the uh, 17th century so yeah although Indonesia has a really long history of food it actually has not been very well documented at all throughout the ages we do know that trade with the Middle East India and China as I just mentioned before it's been going on for a really long time and then the Europeans joined the show later on uh, with the Dutch turning up. And so, it's uh, it's been a real whole melting pot of different flavours for really quite some time. So, the food from that region is really quite unique.
1: It's like, the whole world is pretty much a melting pot of food, I mean.
0: Like, sort of Malaysia, Indonesia, it was kind of like the middle of it all. So, yeah. everybody passed through there. So, there was just so much going on with spices and trading and, and, and lots of stuff going on there for a really, really long time. Of course, you will find certain staples in Balinese food and Indonesian food, one, of course, being rice oh yeah yeah if you've seen images of bali you will most likely have seen their stunning rice fields their terraces that they have cut the rice into patties yes uh, so rice is something that is included in pretty much every meal you're gonna get in bali so if you're not a fan of rice you're in the wrong place because <laughs> it comes with everything
1: are there people who aren't fans of rice?
0: I don't know. They would have to be. Tweet us there? at
1: Food fun Travel if you hate rice. I love
0: rice. I mean,
1: it just seems like one of those foods that it's just it's just everything. You
0: can't I can't see why you would have an aversion to it.
1: Even the gluten free people can't complain. No. It, it is gluten free. I mean, come on. Would it like yeah. I've I never really met anyone who hates rice. I mean a few people who don't choose it as their top starch. But I probably don't either, but you know, I never really met anyone who hates it.
0: No, and I personally love the smell of it cooking. Mm. It's one of those things that I'm like, mmm, rice.
1: All carbs cooking smell good. I mean, you put bread in the oven, you're like, oh, yes. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> Baked yeah. Baked yeah, potato
1: yeah. is fine as well. That's the worst of the carb smells. Yeah, but still good. It's
0: still, I'll still take it. That's for sure.
1: Roast potatoes. Now, I'll smell that all the time. Mm carbs. But you're not getting roast potatoes in Bali, I'm guessing. No, 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 it's rice. Rice, rice,
0: rice. rice. We're going to go into a few other staple dishes now that you probably might not have heard about, one of which being keycap manis, which is a light soy sauce that is used in local cooking. It is I mean, it's rare to find a dinner table anywhere in, in Indonesia that doesn't have kecap manis on it. Is it
1: more of a sweet soy sauce than a light soy no, sauce? No, it is
0: exactly a... Well, it's a light sweet soy sauce. Yes, you're correct. Yeah.
1: All right. So, yeah, lower on the intense fermentation flavor, but a lot of sugar added yeah. to sweeten it out.
0: And actually, keycap manis is very Indonesian in the fact that, yeah, they took the creation of soy sauce from the Chinese and then they added their own palm sugar to it, which was I'm quite certain is a considerable amount of sugar it's sweet yeah
1: <laughs> but it's awesome uh, but
0: it is a very unique indonesian taste and kikap manis is, is really not found anywhere but in indonesia
1: and i've heard some people call it ketchup manis which made me think like are these people just thinking it's called ketchup because that's a word we use for sauces or does the word come anywhere near i don't, well, I don't like know that?
0: it's literally spelled K E. C A P. It's kecap, not ketchup.
1: But- yeah, but I think if there's an accent on the C, then it would be ketchup. But I don't know. It has nothing
0: to do with ketchup.
1: I know it has. It definitely has nothing to do with ketchup. It is a sweet soy sauce, but I've just heard other people call it that, so ah. we might be pronouncing it wrong. We I could don't know.
0: be. Yeah, it's very possible.
1: I call it kecap manis because um, I'm obviously culturally insensitive and just going to call it by what it looks like. You <laughs> but- just.
0: Sound it out.
1: i heard a lot of other people say that, but I've heard a lot of other people say things just to sound like they know what they're talking about, and then they don't, and they're just wrong. You're going to
0: have to ask an Indonesian.
1: So, yeah. All right. So if you're Indonesian,
0: <laughs> tweet us
1: at Food Fun Travel. Let us know. A quick edit here. I went and looked up the pronunciation for this word, and even websites disagree. So it's not just us that can't pronounce it. Some suggest Manis. Others suggest kerjaapmanis. Manis. But it's probably not keycap menace, so we've got that wrong throughout the rest of the episode. Sorry about that.
0: But also, another thing that you will definitely see on a table is sambal. Sambal is a chili sauce or like a paste, which is typically made of a mixture of a variety of chili peppers. Uh, it also has secondary ingredients such as shrimp paste, fish sauce, garlic, ginger, shallots, scallions, palm sugar, very, you know, one of the key ingredients of Indonesian cooking, lime juice, rice vinegar, or some other vinegars. And that is what you will get to make your sambal, which is a paste that's going to give your food some serious kick.
1: I mean, that's got a little bit of everything and it. It's got spicy, salty and sour, and garlic.
0: I think that's why everyone... Well, I don't really know anyone that doesn't like sambal. I can understand people going, oh, no, that's too spicy for me, but there are sambals of different intensities as well. So I've never actually heard someone go, no, I don't like sambal. People are like, oh, that's just too spicy for me.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good combo.
0: Yeah. Also, there's some other spices that you will find in traditional Balinese food, like galanga, which is a a traditional local form of ginger as well. Milder
1: than regular ginger. That's the difference.
0: Uh, Turmeric and also your kaffir lime. Mm. Of course, fruit is a really, really important part of Balinese food and of their diet. Uh, you get some very, very interesting fruits from this region that you might not have actually heard of before. I know that there's a few that I'd never heard of until we visited Bali or, or even the surrounding countries in Southeast Asia. So, so fruits like rambutan.
1: Yeah, which is a bit like lychee.
0: Yeah. Or it, lychee or something. that. lychee, however you'd like to say it, but it is actually native to Indonesia.
1: Ah. All right. Yeah.
0: Um Mangosteen and Jackfruit. Both of which I actually don't even know where to begin explaining what that fruit is.
1: Jackfruit's like a meaty fruit. They actually use it in some vegetarian cooking it's in India, It's definitely a meat substitute. Yeah. They use it as something that can actually substitute meat, even though it's fruit. We I mean I'm not a massive fan. I think I've only had it like once. I don't know. I
0: don't, no, I'm not a massive fan, but I do like mango stains. So, mangosteen's are like this little purpley fruit that are so messy to eat. Your hands will end oh, yeah. up purple by eating. Like you've got to break into it like to tear the shell off. And then inside is kind of similar again to like your rambutan lychee sort of texture, but then it has a bit of a different flavor to it as well. It's really hard to explain without actually knowing what the fruit is. This is why these, these fruits are so unique to this area. Also, like the salak, which is the snake fruit. We tried this for the very first time in Bali. I don't think I'd ever seen it anywhere but, but no. when we were in Bali. And this is actually a species of palm tree, and the outer shell of it really looks similar to the snake of a skin. It's like a brown, dark brownish color. the skin colour. of a snake,
1: not the snake of a skin. <laughs>
0: the skin of a snake, yeah. It's
1: probably not the snake of a skin. Well, Hey, hey! does Skins have snakes? I, my I arm does. Know. No, it doesn't. Maybe people <laughs> wear tattoos. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's the only thing. Uh, yes, it is very similar to the skin of a snake. When you look at it, it actually doesn't look very edible at all. But the locals love it. And you peel off that skin and inside you've got a creamy, acidic, apple flavoured kind of fruit inside.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah. But it's all right.
0: And then, of course, you have the most famous of fruits from Southeast Asia, the durian.
1: Oh, no. I mean, yeah. some people listening to this won't actually know anything about durian.
0: Shall we start with it's called the king of fruits in the region?
1: Why is it called the king of fruits? I don't know, it's probably because it's big. As you might guess from my tone, it is not a delicious fruit.
0: No, the smell of it actually evokes reactions from deep appreciation to physical gagging. <laughs> Some people really like it. Other people are like...
1: I mean, famously, it's banned on the subway in Singapore because it smells so bad. And many hotels as well. Yeah. And obviously, Singapore isn't in Indonesia, but they have durian as well, and they are not all fans of it. So there's a massive durian market, and yep. you can go and buy it, but you cannot take it on the subway. No
0: way. Some people say that it smells similar to rotting onions. Some people think it smells like turpentine. And some you, people would say that it just smells straight up like raw sewage.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I tasted it. You tasted it as well. Yeah. I feel like it tastes a bit like some sort of mashed fruit with garlic in. It's quite It's like old bananas with garlic. But without the what the gar- but like,
0: kind of custody as well.
1: Yeah. Custody banana, but not the banana flavour, just the banana texture. Yeah. I, it's which so is going to make weird. some people
0: gag in the first place because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people out there that can't stand bananas.
1: So garlic bananas. Yeah. With a bit of sewage thrown in.
0: Mmm. Mm. King of fruits.
1: Yeah. But welcome yes. to the dish, everybody. This is about <laughs> the best food in the world. Uh, but yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes.
0: Luckily, uh, all the must eat dishes that we're going to talk about today do not include durian in their ingredients. Good. Uh but if you do happen to be in Bali or Southeast Asia and have never tried it, listen, give it a go. You know, cuz you never know, there are some people that actually really enjoy it. Some people can't stand it, but unless you give it a try, you don't know which side of the fence you sit on. And it's not the smell is terrible, but the taste is not that bad. Yeah. I've had worse things.
1: Like put a peg over your nose and then it's fine. Yep. Just eat it. Just
0: go for it. All right, so done with the fruit, done with the spices. Let's Dig right into our must-try dishes in Bali. Okay, so I'm going to start off with one that you're going to pretty much see on every menu in Bali. And it's the Nasi Kampur Bali.
1: Mm, yeah, I remember this.
0: Yeah, it was, it was like the go-to easy dish because you knew what it was and it was on everything.
1: It's like Indonesian tapas. But every single tapas thing is on one plate. So you've got like nine dishes on one plate.
0: Exactly. So traditionally, it's a dish that contains a scoop of white rice, and it's accompanied by small portions of a number of other dishes. So this can be meats, vegetables, peanuts, eggs, fried shrimp, you name it. It can all be around, you know, the outside of it. And so the actual meaning of nasi kampur is just really mixed rice.
1: Yeah. And what I love about nasi kampur, unlike tapas where you'd eat each dish individually for its own individual flavor you can mix and match every little bit on the plate and you get new flavors every time exactly really fun food to eat
0: and also you know there's no particular rule on how to make this particular dish so depending on what Warong, which is the small local restaurants, whatever place you walk into, they're going to have their own way of making it, which means you're probably never going to have the same Nasi Kampur twice. Even if you go to the same restaurant, they might not even make it the same twice, depending on what ingredients they have that day. We
1: ate it loads of times and we definitely didn't have any really solid repeats. We had a couple of dishes that were like clearly the same dish, but always made differently. And yeah, it was fantastic. We had it so many times because it's such a staple meal. Every restaurant has one. And it's super affordable, so we're paying maybe like $2.50 or $3 for a plate. Yep. We could pretty much share that and a side dish. Oh, it's so filling. Normally, that was sort of enough food. It was, it's a big thing, and you get plenty of rice normally as well.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, you can get this in other parts of Indonesia, but the thing that makes this particularly Balinese is uh, the addition of a particular spice mix that's called basa ganep and uh, this is actually the base spice mix that's used for a lot of Balinese curries and vegetable dishes and that's what makes them particularly Balinese.
1: Any idea what's in it?
0: So basa ganep does contain quite a few things. Of course. So you're looking at whole black peppers, garlic cloves, onion, chilies, sesame seeds, freshly ground nutmeg. Mm. Uh, you're looking at candle nuts, coriander, turmeric, galangal, And a different sort of ginger as well. So galangal and also your strong ginger. And then they mix that all up with water, put it into a mortar and pestle, and then they make that into a paste. And that's uh, what they include when they're making their curries. And, you know, if they add the water, that makes it into the curry paste. If they don't add the water, that makes the spice mix.
1: So it basically sounds like they took every single spice they had in the cabinet and mixed a little (laughs) bit of each one in. And thought, let's give this a shot. Yeah, let's just, ah, what have we got? Everything. Put it all in. It's an everything spice. Yep. And that's
0: that's the base of a lot of their curries and and vegetable dishes. If you get the
1: balance right, then it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Moving right along from Nasi Kampur, yes, you will find that on a lot of menus. And we do highly recommend it because it's a really easy go-to thing. One thing that you might not find as frequently, but is still a really, really big dish in uh, Indonesia, is satay.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of places do have it. It wasn't hard to find. Definitely. No, but it wasn't but yeah, on every, every menu. menu.
0: No, which is interesting because I have to actually say, I thought satay was Malaysian. I'll 100% admit that. Because the first time I tried satay was in Australia and we went to the Malaysian food festival in Sydney and that's where we had satay. And I'm pretty certain that was one of the first times I had satay. And I instantly just thought, oh, okay, so that's Malaysian, but it's not. It actually... And then
1: we went to Malaysia and we had Surely great satay. And had satay. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I just put those together and thought, oh, this is Malaysian. But it actually originated on the island of Java in Indonesia, which is where a lot of food. Java's like this little melting pot.
1: Well, it's one of the biggest islands, and it's a lot closer to the peninsula for Singapore and and Malaysia. So, I guess it's had more influences coming in and out.
0: Definitely. So you'll find that a lot of foods that started in Java spread to the rest of Indonesia and then into Malaysia and the Philippines and Thailand and a lot of, it all sort of started in Java. Um, But it is actually said that the local street vendors uh, were influenced by the Indian kebab That's where the satay on the satay stick came from. And, of course, that has influences in itself from Persian culture. So it's come all the way down. Mm.
1: So, yeah, chicken on a stick with or pork on a stick, depending on if you're in Bali or not. You can get pork satay in Bali, I guess. But otherwise, yeah, chicken on a stick with, uh, with this sauce. Yeah. So, And what's the sauce made of? I mean, I know what it is, but I, I think everyone else might like to know. Because, I mean, there's different, right? The stuff we've had in Malaysia, the sauce there is very different totally ingredients. Totally different.
0: Totally different. So, yeah. So, the vendors took what they had learned about their meat on the stick and they created their own adaptation in Java. Then that got sent to other areas and then everyone sort of put their own take on it. So, if you don't know what satay is, it is traditionally a marinated meat that is skewered grilled, and most commonly served with a peanut sauce. And actually, a lot of people make the mistake of assuming that satay just means spicy peanut sauce, but it actually doesn't. It's got more to do with the actual skewered meat. I mm. think it's it's more pronounced. It is still pronounced satay, but you'll find it spelled S-A-T-E in Indonesia, but yep. it's still pronounced satay. And yeah, satay can come... With many variations, as you were just saying, of sauces, it just really depends on what was available and what sort of trade was going on with the the sauces that, that the people made. But generally, it is a spicy peanut sauce. And actually, to begin with, in Java, the meat probably that was originally used would have been goat or lamb, which would have had more of that Persian... Middle Eastern influence that Mm -hmm. the skewers would have been good or lamb. As they went elsewhere, people are like, eh, we don't really have that. Eh, I don't really like that. So it's all really just spent all of these years evolving into satay being a very broad term of just really skewered meat with a sauce.
1: Yeah. And yet the satay sauce itself really has no connection to anything Persian. It is very much a local sauce because, well, it's peanuts. And the version that we made that seems to be the most basic version when we visited the Gili Islands, which are just off the coast of Bali, they were just, it's pretty much just ground peanuts with the kikap manis. Yeah. And uh, I think there was like one or two other ingredients in it as well, some oil. Yeah. And that that was it. That's the absolute basic basic version.
0: You'll find a lot today that satay ayam is the most popular form that's going around the islands, which is your chicken satay. And that is usually with a mixture of coriander, turmeric, lemongrass, garlic, ginger, salt and pepper. And then, of course, your keycap manis. Yeah. So you can go as very basic as your peanuts and keycap manis, or you can add in all of those if you have access to lemongrass and turmeric and all of that other stuff. Mix it all together. Throw in some sambal as well because, you know, you want to have a little bit of spicy kick to it. And, uh, and yeah, that's your uh, your satay I am.
1: Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Even the really basic version, you're like, it's just, it works. It's great.
0: I don't think I've ever had a satay I've not thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Grilled meat with a nice peanut sauce and that sweet. It is the sweet soy of that Kika yeah. manis that really makes a lot of Indonesian dishes sing.
1: Yeah, totally. One of the most important ingredients that they use. And also, we should say at this point that some of these dishes that we're mentioning, you've got to get out of the tourist areas to try and try these things as well. If you're hanging out at a local hotel in Bali, in Kuta, where all the Australians go basically for drinking lots of beer, you might find this stuff, but it's going to be a really lame version of it. Exactly. In fact, I don't even know. Like Nasi Kampur, which is so prolific everywhere else around the island, if you're in one of those very tourist areas, I don't think it's even a big thing. Like, I know.
0: We didn't spend a lot of time there. Yeah, I can't actually say.
1: Can't say for sure. But it's not like there you're finding things on menus. You're looking around and going, oh, carbonara and and like You'll definitely find your Nasi
0: Goreng, which we're going to get to later. Your Nasi mm-hmm. Goreng, your me Gorengs, or maybe be the basic indonesian food you might find
1: very easy for yeah for tourists because they're touristy food but yeah. we'll get on to that
0: yeah that's coming up later one thing that we're going to move on to next that you definitely need to get out of the tourist areas to find is your bebek goreng
1: oh yes <laughs> now i know what this is this is fantastic
0: yes uh, so bebek goreng is quite simply fried duck served with yes. rice
1: dirty wonderful deep fried duck
0: yep and you're gonna as we said before your basic side dish you're gonna have your rice there and also quite frequently you'll get your lalapan which is a raw vegetable salad which is it's usually like cucumber lettuce cabbage long beans basil which is a you know your southeast asian basil is very different to your yes
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's more spicy it's yeah. not just sweet
0: And this is all, and that generally has like a peanut sauce to it as well. And that's what is generally served with this fried duck. And it just has to be mentioned because fried duck is amazing.
1: Yeah. And if you go to Ubud, which is where we first tried this, and then we just kept eating it everywhere else. Yeah. uh, There was one place in Ubud that was, I'll I'll put the name in the notes, hopefully for this, because I can't remember offhand, but. Uh, it was just like famous for this Bebek Goring. It's pretty much the main dish that yeah. they made.
0: And the reason is, um, if you go to Ubud, that's one of the places you're going to go to to find the rice terraces. Ubud is surrounded by these rice terraces. And one thing that you might not realize is that duck is very popular in that region. And is actually more popular as a meat than chicken or pork. But one of the reasons why it's so popular in that region is because they are actually commonly used in the paddy fields. Did you know this? To do what? clean it they guard the crops from insect they, they've attacks got
1: little like mops and they just run around <laughs> with like they're giant ducks with arms and yeah, that's why the duck's so good it's like separated- big muscly duck. They're
0: separated into different artilleries and one is the the you know the janitorial staff, yeah. and the other are the soldiers, and, the, and then the rest are just um, right. you know. Crew. So this is
1: why the meat's so good and there's so much of it because they're big, muscly ducks that <laughs> just go around working all day. No,
0: what they actually do is they are uh, they guard the crops from insect attacks because they just eat up all the insects. They just oh, yeah. they chew them up. They also do a spot of weeding while they're at it because they're keen gardeners. Oh, they
1: right?
0: <laughs> uh, they, yeah, they do. They they do a bit of weeding, and uh, with the ducks tearing up the weeds eating all the insects, leaving their crap behind as organic plant food, mm. rice growers can actually eliminate the need for artificial fertilizers, herbicides, and pesticides by having this troop of ducks living in their rice fields. Why
1: isn't everyone doing this? Isn't it
0: really cool?
1: Yeah, I want my own rice patty now so that I can eat duck all the time. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: So once they've sort of, I, I mean, I'm sure now they are particularly breeding ducks for consumption, but back in the old days, it would have just been like, well, that duck's had its time and I'm hungry. So <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's what they and they're super tasty. So how cool is that? They do their little bit of cleaning and gardening and and then they're a really tasty meal that they make as well.
1: Wow.
0: Um so Bever Goring, going back to the actual dish. Uh so it's a variant of the traditional I am goring, as we said, I am before is chicken. The chicken dish is deep fried in coconut oil, and the frying in the coconut oil is something that actually really releases the aromas of the dish. The thing that really, really, really makes both of these dishes incredible is the insane amount of crispiness that they achieve on the outside, yet being exceptionally juicy Mm. and tender on the inside, and they do all of this without battering the meat before they fry it. It is just meat on oil, or oil on meat, however you want to say it. There's no crispy batter on the outside to protect it. They just get it right. And, mm. I mean, this could be – they could get the flavor right thanks to their fantastic concoction of spices that they use. And, of course, we're going back to your shallots, your garlic, your bay leaves, your turmeric, your lemongrass, your tamarind juice, your candlenut, your galangal, salt, and, of course, sugar.
1: Mm, well, always.
0: So that's marinated around the outside before they dip it in this coconut oil, and it just is like phew, perfection. Perfection.
1: Every single one we had was super juicy in the middle. Everyone just seems to get it right. Yeah. I mean, I can't guarantee for every restaurant, but we tried places mainly based on looking at some reviews beforehand and whatever, and they were all fantastic. They cook duck well. Still to come in this episode, more tasty duck with a dish called Bebek Batutu, plus a jet black sweet rice dessert that we couldn't get enough of.
0: our next duck and chicken dish. Uh, you can have duck or chicken. And it's so we said um,
1: duck's called Bebek. Bebek. And you reckon that's like, they named it after the, the noise of a duck? So like, we might go quack quack, but they go Bebek. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, just saying. People make the noises of animals different. Is so this bebek, like a Arrested
0: Development, where a chicken's like, Cuckoo! 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 Maybe. Cuckoo!
1: Like, I mean, what chicken goes cuckoo?
0: No, like, no, not... a dove goes coo. Yeah, I know,
1: but they they go coo like in the rest uh, of development. It's weird.
0: If you haven't watched the rest of development, you might have to go and watch that now. Do not because you'll about. know no
1: idea what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it'll right? be
0: worthwhile. Just go watch it. It's on Netflix. Do it. Um, yeah, So yes, duck is bebek and chicken is ayam. Yeah. So they're two th- words that you probably want to remember when you're looking at a menu. The next dish we're going to look at is also duck and chicken, but. It has actually got the name of Batutu.
1: Oh yeah, I remember this.:
0: Yeah, the thing that makes this one really traditional is actually the other three dishes you will find all over Indonesia in different sort of forms and flavors and stuff like that. But Batutu is actually apparently hundred percent Balinese. and that comes down to Batutu being uh, the name of the spice mix. Mm. So they've got their own little spice mix, and that is uh, the Batutu. and you can have it with steamed or roasted chicken or duck, but the popular one is the steamed version. Mm. And that's where they actually wrap it in a leaf, and they'll steam it that way. And that's what makes it quite incredible. Keeps
1: all of the moisture inside.
0: Yes. So as I said before, if you're wanting to order chicken, you'd look out for ayam bututu on the menu. And if you have a hankering for duck, as if you wouldn't, look for bebek batutu.
1: So what's in the spice mix? Come on, this is like a special spice mix.
0: It's that very similar sort of spice mix where you've got shallots, garlic, turmeric, ginger, wild ginger, which is your glangau, your ch- uh, candlenuts, chili peppers shrimp paste in this one, and peanuts that are all finely ground using that mortar and pestle. There's not a big variation on the the spices that they use, but they all do hold them as being truly Balinese. Mm,
1: And shrimp paste gives a real umami to everything. It does. It's brilliant. So
0: this paste is then sautéed with coconut oil, which uh, once again releases those aromas, then rubbed into either the chicken or the duck, and then the meat, as I said before, is wrapped in a leaf and then cooked. Just like the other dishes I mentioned that you can find variations from island to island, this particular dish on Bali, you'll find variations from like store to store, from warung to warung. Everybody yep. has their own very special spice mix and everybody says that theirs is the best oh, on the island.
1: Of course. Yeah. Heard that story from around the world.
0: Exactly, yeah. Yep. So this is also a dish that you'll probably never have the same one twice. Yep. It'll always be
1: different. So, just keep eating.
0: Just keep eating it. Give it a try. the solution. The thing you do need to take note of is that bebek batutu, the duck version of it, is really considered quite an important dish on the island. And it's cooked by locals for special occasions like festivals, weddings, funerals, all of that sort of stuff. So, the way they go about actually preparing it is very particular. And you might have to order this dish one day in advance in Mm -hmm. order to get it. So... Just keep that in mind time frame wise If you find a place, it's got great reviews, you want to give it a try, you turn up and they might be like, no, you need to order that in advance. So, just keep that in mind. All right. Okay, moving on to the dish that is probably the national dish of Indonesia. It is actually the unofficial national dish of Indonesia. Yes. We are talking about nasi goreng.
1: Mm-hmm. And if
0: we're talking about nasi goreng, we also should talk about me goreng.
1: Okay, so what is that?
0: Okay, so nasi goreng literally means fried rice.
1: Okay, pretty and straightforward. Can
0: you guess what me goreng means?
1: Well, I know what it is already, so I'm cheating. It's fried noodles. It is
0: fried noodle. Yes, so goreng is obviously fried, nasi is rice, me is noodle. And let's all start all of this by ha- taking a look at nasi goreng first because it really is the dish of Indonesia and Bali. So nasi goreng is. Very, very simple dish. It is fried rice with pieces of meat and vegetables that's added to it. Maybe even some egg. Yeah. As with many mixed rice dishes, it actually came about from trying to find ways to use up excess rice so it didn't go to waste. So it is actually a breakfast dish. Mm. I think generally nasi goring is not something as Western as we would ever have as, as a breakfast dish, but in Bali, it is served as breakfast because it's a leftover meal. So they'll take up all of the leftover rice, meat, and vegetables from dinner the night before, fry it all up so it all tastes fresh again, and then serve it for breakfast. It's a breakfast
1: hash. Exactly. But Asian breakfast hash.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what it but is. But I
1: know already, because we went to a cooking class with this dish as well, that the secret ingredient is the kikap manis.
0: Yes, okay, we're going to get to that. Yeah. We are going to get to that. That's
1: what makes it different. It tastes so different from other fried rices from China and whatever. And
0: that is actually what sets it apart from China. So, it is actually uh, a solid assumption that this dish came about from the influence from China. Stir-frying with a wok became popular in China about the Ming Dynasty, which is sort of 1368 to 1644-ish. And this is something that obviously was introduced elsewhere. Chinese immigrants scattered around the world. They took this form of wok frying with them, and naturally it, it hit the shores of Indonesia, Java being the main predominant place so there seems to be a lot of influence of this actually hitting Indonesia around about the 17th century and this is also the time that we see the introduction of keycap manis it's a funny thing because actually uh, soy sauce has been around since about the second century in China soy sauce is that old when it comes to China but once it was finally introduced by the Chinese into the Indonesian cuisine they added their local palm sugar to it and also uh, the addition of some shrimp paste as well Oh, really? and this is what gives it this is what gives nasi goring a complete difference to chinese fried rice
1: yeah because obviously when you think of just sweet soya sauce you actually you're missing that element and i didn't realize it was shrimp paste yeah because that's I just can't stop eating kecap Manis. No, it's you're addicted it, to it. I love it. I literally can just get plain white rice and just spray it over the top and just eat it. And yeah, I love it so much. And I didn't realize that's probably why, because it's that umami just makes you want to eat more. Yeah. You just can't help it's it. It's
0: salty and sweet all mixed in together.
1: Yeah. That, but that interesting salty that's beyond salty.
0: Yeah. So if you're thinking that, oh, Nasi Goreng, it's just fried rice, it's actually the kecap Manis that completely sets it apart because kikap manis is so inherently indonesian
1: but also you normally get a whole fried egg on the top so unlike chinese fried rice where they like mix in scrambled egg you get a whole egg on the top and And it's that
0: beautiful fried egg that's just ready to burst and when you cut into it the yolk just dribbles through the rice and it's oh my goodness like there's just something Mix it so all up. delicious about it as you mix the rice through that runny yolk, and it's oh mm. my goodness! I'm just drooling at the thought.
1: It's great, yeah. And of course, me goreng is basically exactly the same thing, but the starch is noodles rather than rice. There's there's no real difference; all the same ingredients. You get a fried egg on top at the end, and all that sort of thing. Right?
0: Exactly, exactly. There is actually another theory that the introduction of nasi goreng didn't come from China. All right. It is thought that it actually came from the Middle East instead. So we're talking pilaf, not fried rice.
1: But it's a strange thought because it's nothing like pilaf. It's a quick cooking dish. That's true. So the frying
0: method, yeah. The theory comes about, there is actually another Indonesian dish called nasi goreng kambing, which is a Jakartan goat fried rice. So they use mutton or goat meat which, of course, are meats that are absolutely favoured by Arabs and not the Chinese, and they add to this rich spices and also something called minyak samin, which we today also know as deliciously dirty and oh so bad for the hips, but a G.
1: Oh. Although, I mean, that's... That's also sort of Indian subcontinent sort of influence.
0: Absolutely. So all the way through the Middle East, through India, into Indonesia with that influence. So you're looking at more of like a, so I guess you'd say pilaf would be more baked
1: than fried? Or pilaf or? is a slow cooked, yeah, sometimes eventually baked, initially sort of semi-boiled it's a complicated process, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's a slow cooking rice dish that allows every flavor to infuse Which into the rice. Which makes sense if
0: you're using mutton and goat. Yeah. Because you want those flavors to make You slow cook through.
1: the meat, but yeah. that's separate. Whereas. But the, I think
0: you want to slow cook the rice with it because you want those flavors to
1: infuse with oh, the Oh, I mean, I know you want to, but <laughs> do people do it? I've never seen it around Bali. That doesn't seem to be no. the way it's done. It's I personally dish. think
0: the influence is from China. It's that quick flash in the pan fry up dish. But there are some people that think because of the additional spices that they use in the the nasi goring, that's more of the Middle Eastern influence, having those additional robust spices.
1: Yeah. Hard to say, really, isn't it? I mean, if you've got the spices hanging around, you can throw them in anything. So that could have just happened without any influence.
0: And as I mentioned earlier, records of this time were really non-existent. So we just have no idea where it originated from. All we know is that it's like really tasty and what it is today is just good, right?
1: Yeah, I think probably nasi goreng is my favorite type of fried rice because of kikamanas. I prefer it to uh, Chinese fried rice.
0: Nasi goreng is unofficially Indonesia's national dish, and it was actually voted the second most delicious dish in the world by that good old famous CNN poll, but that was in 2011. So it was voted around the world as a very, very popular dish.
1: Well, Indonesia does have a very large population, so it would be quite easy for them (laughs) to just all agree to vote for their dishes.
0: Yeah. And as we said, mie goreng is, of course, the exact same dish but used with uh, yellow noodles. It is absolutely 100% a take on the Chinese chow mein. However, once again, with the addition of keycap manis to give it that more Indonesian flavor. If they want to make it really spicy, then they add in sambal as well to just make it even more Indonesian in flavor. And you will also notice that there is a notable absence of pork and lard in favor of shrimp, chicken or beef. Uh, to cater to the Muslim community. So naturally, Bali being more Hindu, you weren't gonna, you're not going to find any beef mee goring. I've never seen a beef mee goring in my life in Bali. Or I think generally, I expect to see shrimp or chicken or maybe even tofu Yeah. from my memories of having nasi goring in Bali.
1: Well, I remember having a very fun tofu dish. It's basically just deep fried tofu with peanut sauce. It's like tofu satay rather than chicken satay. That was actually a thing. Tofu is definitely uh, quite popular around there.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah,
1: and yeah. they do deep fry the tofu to make it quite crispy, which oh, can be they, awesome. They do great tofu.
0: So I think when you come to Bali, even though you know they do eat a lot more pork, and we're going to get to that next.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think when you find with your nasi goreng, it's probably going to be more likely shrimp, chicken, or tofu rather yeah. than pork or beef. Sweet. Yeah, so both me goring and nasi goring are by far the most popular dishes sold in Bali. Both are simple to make, full of flavour and dishes that both locals and tourists yeah. thoroughly enjoy.
1: Tourists aren't afraid of it. They're like, I know what that is. I, I will eat, eat that.
0: <laughs> Moving on to something that we actually didn't realise was a thing until we went to Bali is babi babiguling. A hundred percent a dish you are not going to find in many places in Indonesia. Bali and a few other non-Muslim islands are doing this dish. Barbie Gooling is, of course, suckling roast pig on a spit. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's time to talk pork.
1: Oh, pork time. Talk I'm ready pork. For
0: it. Let's talk pork. Let's pork, pork talk time. Talk. Pork, talk pork, time. Talk. pork talk. Time. Pork
1: talk time. Pork talk time.
0: Yes. Let's do it. Of course, yes, we all know the history of roasting a hog goes back to the invention of fire, pretty much. As soon as cavemen invited fire, they were like, come here, piggy, piggy, piggy. And uh, many variations of this have been spread all across the world. Babi guling directly translates into turning pig, as it is roasted <laughs> on a hand-turned spit over an open fire.
1: Say what it is. Yep. Keep it simple.
0: Keeping it simple. Uh, in Bali, babi guling is made into a local dish by once again using their unique spices to cook the meat. The pig is generally stuffed and infused with a spicy concoction of turmeric, coriander seeds, lemongrass, black pepper, and garlic, and then Put on that spit to roast away.
1: Mmm, roasty spit a pig. and
0: they make that outside so insanely like teeth shattering crispy. It's insane. I mean, they do in the
1: Philippines as well. Like exactly.
0: You know. So this is a very common dish. You'll yeah you'll find it in the Philippines. You'll find it in Indonesia. It's very very prevalent in that to be region. Fair, if you
1: take a look at a map and you look at the northern islands of Indonesia, like um, Sabah region which is actually Malaysia, but that's all like a, it's half Indonesia, half Malaysia and that island. You can connect to the bottom of the Philippines. It's like 400 kilometers or something. Yeah. It's really close. Yeah. And a lot
0: of these dishes I'm talking about now are really popular in the Philippines as well. They're popular in Malaysia, Singapore, Brunei, the Philippines, Thailand, like everything's sort of spread, but they all have their own particular take on it today. But you will find babi guling and um, the lechon in the Philippines to be very, very similar. Mm, Probably yeah. just the difference in those spices that they use. Yeah,
1: lechon is the Filipino version of this whole spit-roasted pig, and they do it fantastic as well. But yeah, definitely the spices sound like they're a little bit different. Exactly. They, and, and also them. just
0: what it's served with. So, bubbyguling is a roast feast, of course, because it is a big dish. And they will generally serve it with lawa, which is a dish created from, it's a mixture of vegetables, coconut, minced meat, which is mixed with Rich herbs and spices, all of that uh, Balinese flavor. Steamed rice, of course. And this particular dish is usually reserved for big rites of passage. You know, big celebrations like your weddings, your funerals. Also, other important events in life like the arrival of your child's first tooth. Because, you know, any reason to roast a pig. It's like, oh, they got a tooth. Roast the pig. If there's no weddings or funerals coming anytime time, well not that you know about funerals coming anytime soon, but you know, if there's no celebration to happen, it's like, celebrate what you can. Yep. Really.
1: I celebrate Tuesday every week with a rose peg. <laughs> exactly. Why not?
0: Why not? Tuesday's it. Are- I made it's it to day. another Tuesday. But uh, today as tourism has soared, people are actively seeking out this dish. You can really find it more and more in Wurrungs and other local restaurants. Uh, we even had it one night staying at the Hard Rock Hotel in the centre of Kuta. They just Spit roasted a pig up for all the guests right by the pool.
1: It's another dish that obviously isn't too scary for anyone who's a meat eater, at least.
0: No, but it's not going to get you a lot of likes on Instagram. No,
1: we it did not work for us. We out the
0: hard way. Pig um,
1: face does not work on Instagram. No,
0: but if you are a meat eater, it is seriously one of the most delicious meals you can really have in Bali. We've been through a lot of the, the main tasty dishes, and I don't think we can end the show without including a dessert, right?
1: Yeah, I so say. I think we've done a lot of episodes now where we get to the end of the episode and we're like, we I don't ate too really- much.
0: I ate too much. I don't really eat dessert. Um- yeah, well,
1: I mean, mainly you say, like, oh, I don't really eat dessert, and then we're like, but here's a dessert that we really loved. So we don't really eat dessert, but apparently, pretty much every country we go to, we always find a dessert, at least one that we love.
0: And I, and we did love with this one. So let me introduce you to babur Ijin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I'm going to say babur injin. And baboon gin is a sweet dessert which is made from black glutinous rice with coconut milk and palm or cane sugar. Very simple. Very, very simple.
1: But it's the slow cooking, slow boiling in the coconut milk that infuses it into the rice and the sugar. It's that sweet coconut and glutinous density. But it's also the fact that the
0: dish is completely jet black. Yes. Jet black, like squid ink black and this was seriously a dessert that we actually couldn't get enough of and as we said we're not big dessert people but we loved this and you really need to think of like a rice pudding but with coconut milk so it's got that sort of as you said that coconut infusion in the rice that slow cooked infusion throughout
1: but it's thick not sloppy
0: yes tons of sugar yeah they love their sugar and just black, black, black. And I need to note right now that the color isn't added. It's, we thought, we were like, do you add cocoa to this? We, we asked the, the restaurant owner, we were like, what, what is it in this that makes it black? And it's black rice. We had never encountered black rice before. And that is probably because there are only three varieties of black rice in this world. There is the Indonesian black rice that they use to make this dish. There is the Philippine balatinor rice. And then there is Thai jasmine black rice. And that's it. So it is really something that is quite special and unique to try when you're in Bali. It's
1: not something that's easy to find outside of Indonesia at all. I mean, black rice is already quite hard. You can find red rice sometimes. But yeah, it's a pretty unique local dish.
0: Yeah. So this crazy dish that comes, you know, this dessert that comes out completely black doesn't really look palatable, but is actually really, really lovely. That's, that's it. That is, yeah. We've gone pretty meat heavy on our what to eat list, I have to admit. Because what can I say? We love meat.
1: Meat is tasty. It is true.
0: But of course, being barley, there are plenty of amazing vegetarian and vegan options available if that's, you know, your jive.
1: You can have gadu gadu, which is like...
0: <laughs> I was just going to talk
1: about <laughs> Oh, you, I, you preempted, yeah. Uh,
0: Oh, yeah. Alright, well if
1: you've got a, a definite definition of what Gado Gado is, because I was not a big fan. It's
0: a vegetable salad covered with peanut sauce. It's crap. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's your thing, give it a try. Some I mean, it's on a lot of menus, so some people must be eating it.
1: It's one of those things that if you grew up eating it, you probably love it. I
0: hated it.
1: I just found I tried it
0: in so many places and I'm like, I'll give it another try.
1: We even had a fine dining version at a degustation restaurant. And we're like, it's still just like cabbage and carrot raw.
0: Yeah, and I like raw cabbage and carrot.
1: Yeah, normally. Or oh, it's like semi raw, and it? it's like it's been boiled, but then it's, it's made par-boiled. cold, and then it's, it's like just. I don't really get
0: flim-flammy. it. Slim flamy, slim flamy. I don't know. It's, it's weird.
1: Bad vegetables with hey, satay sauce. I say, side. if
0: you want to go totally vegan, go babur and gin. There is oh, nothing. Yeah.
1: There coconut is rice.
0: Coconut rice. It is. Vegan all the way.
1: All right. Dessert vegan for the entire trip. That'll be healthy.
0: Yep. One other thing that I did completely adore that is totally vegan is tempeh. And you have to mention tempeh. If you go to Bali and don't try tempeh, you are missing out. That's what
1: I was talking about before. It's the deep fried tofu.
0: Exactly. Crispy tofu. Completely local Indonesian dish, uh, which is made by naturally culturing and controlling the fermentation process that binds soybeans into a firm cake form. Doesn't that sound horrible? I
1: think it was more delicious when we just called it deep fried crispy tofu. (laughs)
0: If you actually go through the process, it sounds horrible. Here we go.
1: (laughs) You really want to do this?
0: Yes, here we go. The invention of tempeh, it is actually connected to tofu production in Java, once again. The tofu making industry... Was brought over by the Chinese immigrants around the 17th century. And it's suggested that tempeh was accidentally produced as the byproduct of tofu because discarded soybeans caught the spores of a whitish fungus that turned out to be mm. quite edible. Fry it, but a boom, tempeh.
1: <laughs> oh, well, doesn't
0: that sound appetizing? It's a
1: fancy fungal tofu. Yeah. Deliscus.
0: But here we go, a little bit of trivia for you. Tempeh is the only major traditional soy food in the world that didn't originate from greater Chinese cuisine. It is 100% Indonesian. They created tempeh. It, like, it was, yes, of course, a byproduct from Chinese bringing soybeans to Indonesia, but they created tempeh all on their own. And it sounds terrible, but it's actually one of my favorite things to eat. I love it.
1: I did love it. You really don't need to be vegan or vegetarian to eat this. It's fantastic. Plus, as we already know, by this point of the show, every vegan that tuned in already closed the podcast and They're left gone. us a one-star review. So <laughs> if you are a vegan and you're still here welcome. You're our first vegan. You
0: know, to make it to the end of an
1: episode. <laughs> the first vegan to make it to the end of an episode. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes.
0: But you know, if you are in Bali or if you are indeed trying to cut back on your meat consumption, as we are all these days, uh, Tempere is a fantastic substitution. It's got a good, I wouldn't say meaty texture to it, but, no, but it's, it's firm. It's, it's firm. It's, it's like you're eating something. Chewy,
1: chunky. I really enjoy it.
0: Anyway, so there you have it. There are some of our must-try dishes while you are in Bali. Some are totally Balinese in their creation because of those spice mixes that they put in it. Other are Balinese-Indonesian-influenced dishes that are also influenced from outside. But, you know, it's a really interesting concoction of food that you can go and try just in that area of the world.
1: Yep. Yeah, Bali is so unique. And it is mainly down to the religious influence that has sort of isolated them as a slightly different cultural Island compared to the rest of the country. And obviously, the rest of the country is also worth visiting as well for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. It's just fascinating to see that there's this one island in the middle of everything that's just got quite a different food culture. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thanks for joining us to all of you vegans out there. Sorry. None of you are listening by now, so bye. Obviously, if you want to support the show, uh, whether you're a vegan or not, we don't really mind. We're happy for money from anybody. Yeah. Uh, So if you'd like to
0: buy us a (laughs) satay,
1: yeah. or a Bintang beer, do head to foodfundtravel.com slash extras, because that is where you can help sponsor this show. You can make us make more episodes. If we get sponsorship, then we'll go make more episodes. If we don't, then we don't have a lot of time to make episodes all the time. We bring out what we can, but we are also quite busy. So, you know, the more money coming in, the more we can do. And also, you get a bunch of bonus episodes in return for yeah. sponsoring us. Hey, we might
0: do the history of keycap manis. Oh, no, we won't because there's no information on the history of Indonesian food. No. We'll be like, keycap madness is this. Thanks for coming.
1: Yeah it'll be a 30-second episode, so why not?
0: No, but there are some other really fantastic things that we have done, uh, little mini histories of, that you can go and check out and go and download right now if you sign up to be a patron of this podcast.
1: And also find out about some of the places where you can try the foods we've been talking about by going to our website and going to the show notes for this episode. This is foodfuntravel.com slash Bali podcast. Go and find out some of the restaurants that us and some other bloggers have been eating in because we put a bit of a, a list together with some other companion bloggers who have uh, helped us out with a few of their favorites. And of course, join us for the next episode of The Dish. No idea what that is right now, but I'm sure if you look in the list, maybe it's already there or maybe it's coming in the next week or so. Who knows? Cool. That's it for our episode on barley, And we'll be back with more delicious food from around the world next time. All
0: right. See you then.
1: Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen.
0: Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.